everybody? It is the Free Speech Forum Podcast. It's going to be episode 14. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Fantastic. Glad to be here. Fantastic. We have a silent John, so let's roll the intro. Let's get it started. Well, how's everyone doing? Doing great, man. Good. Excited to be here. It's oh, been a yeah. long layoff. I'm excited to be back. How are you doing, John? I'm good, man. That's some nice pit vipers you got there. Yeah, I was Fantastic. I was walking around photographing real estate today and everybody was impressed by how cool I was. I mean, you like, man, that's the coolest cool. guy I've ever seen. Yeah, I yeah. can't like, imagine what's more professional than that right there. I mean, there's maybe real, if I had a sleeveless blue jean you, shirt, you needed a mullet. Yeah, there's to really, go with that. There's really nothing more professional. I'm working That's on it. The epitome of professionalism, right there. Well, anyway, so uh, we are going to be doing uh, a couple discussions. So the first discussion is going to be on the fallout of Afghanistan, and the second discussion is going to be talking a little bit about 3D printing. That's kind of been we haven't talked about it very much recently, so we're going to go dive into that as well. Should be awesome. Yes, yes. But we first want you guys to uh, like and subscribe this uh, this live stream. And if you're watching it after it's live, please like and subscribe the VOD as well, as that helps us out a lot. Yeah, and remember that you can listen to our podcast. Somebody calling us? <laughs> what was that? What is Hello? <laughs> what is this? It's not me. Hello? Oh, okay. Hello? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> What it's technical it? difficulties. It's your, it's your mom calling. I hit disconnect. You I don't just, know whose phone was that. Your mom. I don't, it's probably my office phone. She's oh, gonna be upset with you. Oh well. Um. All right. So, Joe's always throwing us for a curveball. So, anyways, we are on basically every platform that's out there: Spotify, Google Podcasts. I actually noticed our Google Podcast is on the first page on Google when you search for the Free Speech Forum. Oh, it's yeah. actually above the website. We're doing very well on Apple Podcasts too. Oh, so Apple go check Podcasts. us out there. And Amazon so like, Music. You can say, Alexa, play the Free Speech Forum podcast. I love it's it. So oh, cool. Yeah. You can say. I, I do that every time in my garage. Say Google. I'm working out. <laughs> yeah. Google. So, oh, oh my gosh. Look at that. Alexa, Alexa, heard Alexa just heard us here. <laughs> we, uh, Alexa. We're having, a, we're having to turn our Alexa off. We're right everywhere. Now. Yeah. I, um, anywho. Well, that's great, John. I. We just wanted to remind everybody, uh, we've got a tremendous sponsor this week for episode 14. Uh, once again, it's Palmetto Still, State Still. Uh, Palmetto State Still has been in business for over 25 years, since 1996. Wow. They work with raw and processed steel or aluminum in all shapes and sizes. Like circles? Yes. Okay. Even <laughs> circles. Probably ovals. <laughs> ovals. And sizes of, uh, of service many kinds of American industries. Uh, Palmetto especially is rebar fabrication, but with their advanced um, engineering expertise, they can build out build out anything construction grade. Anything. Mm, I wonder if they can make a cylinder. Palmetto does in-house welding, cut-to-length rebar, steel bending, and holes of all shapes and sizes. You can contact Palmetto State Steel at 843-971-8802. Or palmetto still at gmail.com. And it's on your screen for you right there. 
They are family-owned and operated with locations in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Wilmington, North Carolina. Thank you, Paul Meadow, still for sponsoring this podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Definitely, that is. I mean, that's a, a huge, a huge help to us. So, thank you very much. Brooks was like, "Shut up!" During my advertisement, <laughs> you're throwing me I off my game. Stop right telling me about or circles or pyramids. It doesn't matter if it's a sphere. They do it all. It's Palmetto State Steel. Hard as a rock. Oh or steel. yes. So, uh, John, you have What's something up? for us? Yeah. Um. Let's roll that re- intro. So Pixel Joe and I went up on the mountain, you know. Oh. Just we okay. went up on the mountain, and we saw this video that we wanted to reproduce. So and that brings like, us. Let's see what this we got. This is a great video right here. <laughs> that brings us. Oh, okay. So, uh, here. Happening, like oh, they just goodness. started like flying <laughs> off of us. That is, yeah, that but, is. That uh, is good. I can't I imagine think, the original video was better than that. I don't think that was a funny video. I think that was a very serious, uh, compelling video. Yeah, no, that really was a. I mean, I thought I was. That was very. Um, I don't know. I learned a lot from it. I that learned, was like, I and that was a dance. drone. And today I flew that same drone to take some pictures wearing these sunglasses. Nice. You were so wearing I mean, those sunglasses. It's in that come video? full circle. What now? kind of drone do you? That's use? why it was so professional. Um, it's a. It's a drone. A drone. <laughs> what's what's the drone? Is it a parrot called? drone or? It's a Skydio two, and mm. then very nice. Joe let me use. A, I've got a Phantom three of his that almost crashed into a a, a ballpark's light. Mm. Um. So, anyways, well, you're using yeah, that so training well. <laughs> yeah, making the most of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we do have a second video, and this is a cat that lost half of its nine lives. To a white tiger. So. Oh, Jerry, I know how you love cats. So. Oh, yeah, this is this is a good this one. Right up your alley. What is this? Oh goodness. Oh, <laughs> Watch out for that tiger. That scared me. That scared me. That was the first seat. That was actually was the first time that I watched that also, and I wasn't prepared. Look. for that. <laughs> I really was not prepared for that. Hey, Mike Hunt made it to the chat. I think my cat would kill me if I did that. Oh goodness. She would just. Disown me. Yeah, no. If, if my cat did that, she would start the. I like, think we need to have leave. a remake of that. That would be. Oh, with my cat? Yeah, for oh, next gosh. week. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Coming uh, right at you. Yeah. So I guess uh, we're going to sl- uh, slowly start to get into the first, um, no. the first topic. song yeah. <laughs> i've never heard of it so um the the music f- just gets better and better I know, yeah. exactly so this first segment we're going to be uh talking a little bit about joe biden and the fallout of afghanistan so this uh hopefully is going to be a pretty serious segment 
Uh, but the very first thing that we want to do is to uh, we want to give a moment of silence to the 13 soldiers that we lost because I, I mean it's everything that's been going on is just I mean it's terrible. So we need to we need to honor these soldiers. I feel like so. Yeah, definitely. So I, I want to have a 60 second moment of silence here for the soldiers we lost. So let's do that now. Thank you, guys. So 13 people, 13 soldiers. 13 soldiers, yeah, and I guess I'll put this back up. So these are the 13 soldiers uh, that um, that were lost last week due to the ISIS, uh, ISIS-K suicide bombing, or I guess ISIS-K is the one that's taking credit for it. Uh, so Really a tragic event. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's – I just – I mean, I can't comprehend – I don't know, I just – I don't really have words. Really feel really for all the soldiers for. and their families. So yeah. is ISIS K? Is that like the Taliban now, or is it an option? It's actually another group. Oh, another a group, more huh? ex- uh, an extreme group of. Yeah, and they're taking credit for it. So. Yeah, and I, to be completely honest with you, I didn't. I'm not like super well versed on who ISIS K is. Uh, yet, you know, they're they're the ones that have taken credit for it. And regardless, I mean, whoever. Yeah, there's rumors did swirling it, around. So it's. It's horrific. I mean, it, it really is just, it's just an awful, awful thing for, uh, to happen. I, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't have words. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, Brooks, so I guess you wanted to maybe have a little bit of a small discussion on, uh, maybe the exit strategy. Yeah, I just kind of want to talk about the exit strategy. You know, there was an August 31st deadline that, you know, Joe Biden and his administration and military leaders set that they were going to have everything out of Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, this was going to end the 20-year war in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I just want to talk about this and discuss, I don't know if you saw, but all the media, I mean, all the military equipment that got left behind to the Taliban. Yeah, I. Um, it's been kind of confusing digging through a bunch of articles to figure out exactly what was left behind, how much was left behind, where, like, why it was left behind. Was it uh, disabled before it was left behind? I mean... Digging through all the articles is, I mean, it's it's kind of a bullish. It's really been taken over social media too. Everybody's yeah. been talking about it. So we have a media item to show, right? For yeah. this. So this first video uh, is just going to be. Uh, let's see. This is just a video showing all our truckloads. Now, I'm not. Percent sure where the, like, how they were found and confiscated or anything, but I mean, this there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, 
And that's just the small arms. That yeah, that's we've just seen. small arms. And that, that was a whole entire truckload of small arms. I mean, they're just throwing <laughs> rifles in the back of a truck. I mean, right. that's insane. To so, so, a group of terrorists, really, you know, the Taliban. So we got these numbers, what, 70 MRAPs, yeah. 27 Humvees, 73 aircraft. So, so put a little bit of a disclaimer on this. We're not 100% sure. I don't really think anyone could be 100% sure how many large vehicles or aircrafts or anything that were left behind. Uh, but these were some numbers that were thrown around. Um, and really, at the end of the day, to me, the numbers don't matter. It doesn't matter how many vehicles or aircraft were left behind. Why would we leave any behind? Right. That's what I don't understand. So they just, you you found just two Blackhawks, right? And two MI-17s and one UH-60 yeah. that was left behind? Well, there was a... Uh, there was a person that that did some that did some looking on Google Images uh, or satellite imagery, and they went back to July sixteenth and did a comparison between a bunch of aircrafts compared to six days after um, Afghanistan was taken over, and the differential or the difference in the number of aircrafts showed that there was only two Blackhawks, a UH sixty, uh, and and then you know. A, there wasn't very much, but all of this stands. The reason these things fly in the air, why can't you just get in it and fly it out of the country? Well, um, I mean, I, I think we had a hard time just getting the people out there, out of there, you know, getting those pieces of equipment. I mean, it's infuriating to work on this equipment, you know, for years and years, like on the engineering side and then see it just left over there. Like yeah. how many hours and how much stress and labor. Exactly. I mean, not to mention the people, but then you just see these systems that you're working on just sitting over there. Right. Mm-hmm. However, you know, if we're going to exit Afghanistan, we don't have time to get all these things out, you know. And, and that's, that's, well, that's... That was kind of my fuss with the exit strategy. Why couldn't yeah. there have been a plan in place to remove some of this in a coordinated you know, logistical move. Yeah. That so, we, you fly these things to an aircraft carrier and then, you know, you ship them back here. Yeah. So, you know, there's a difference between leaving back small arms, leaving back, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30,000 rifles. There's a difference between leaving all of those behind and leaving back vehicles that can fly in the air. Because you can't just take, I mean, you can't take 20,000 rifles and have them fly their way home, right? But like, you know, a thirty million dollar aircraft. They sure could fly a hundred thousand Afghan re- refugees, though. Yeah, out of there. So, yeah, I mean, and there's 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 been a mix of numbers. I I saw an article today on uh, Fox News that says Oryx, a blog that verifies military equipment, they used um, photos and videos from satellite imagery, and they saw thirty eight airplanes, thirteen helicopters, and seven UAVs that ta- the Taliban has captured in working order. Yeah, so one of these numbers that I saw just said 73 aircrafts, not specifically mentioned which aircrafts. Mm-hmm. Some of those might be small things, like, you know, small Cessnas or small UAVs, whatever. It doesn't have to necessarily be a $30 million aircraft, but... It's really just incredibly confusing, you know, and people want to blame Joe Biden, and, I mean, yes, he's the head of America right now, but, I mean, I feel like the blame belongs to to the generals you know the generals of our armed forces and 
But it's such a weird thing how some of this happened. You know, it, it yeah. makes you think that we don't fully understand exactly what why we were pulling out and what happened. But it definitely, I mean, people are severely upset. You know, I've seen I've seen service members, and I've also seen just just people who who are veterans, and uh, I mean, they're just upset about what's happened. And uh, but it's it's just really confusing situation. Yeah, you work, yeah. you work, you go to war for twenty years, and then you just give it right back to the people that are causing terror. Yeah, yeah. I and you mentioned something about people are mad at Joe Biden, and you know, I mean, even put putting my political standpoint aside, this this really blame probably isn't on you know smack dab on Joe Biden. It's not his fault. You mentioned it's probably the general's fault, and yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you to an extent. Um, but I do feel as though if we've been in war for 20 years, we don't have – I mean, if, if our closing date of August 31st or, uh, you know, August 31st is coming up, if we have so much equipment left behind, why are we dropping thermite on it and destroying it when this is equipment that can be useful to us? And not only useful to us, this is equipment that even when disabled can be useful to them. They can take this disabled equipment, well, reverse engineer some of it. Well, the Army invests and all military invests very heavily in anti-tamper, you know. So so basically these systems get disabled and nobody's going to re-enable. Yeah. But, but then when you think about, you know, dropping what thermite. What about the MRAPs, though? Like... I mean, we've, That's a we've seen so, we've seen videos of MRAPs that haven't been disabled. So, uh, but with the thermite, I mean, at some point, it's just cheaper to do that than to get these things out sure. and like repair yeah. them. You know, you know that 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 might that's I mean, that's a good point that I hadn't previously considered. That is I mean, it's like you look you look at the repair costs on our F twenty twos, and it's way more than it ever was yeah. to just build them. So you know? you know, if these vehicles were there and they were already disabled and. Or, disabled because they needed to be repaired i could understand how we don't have time to repair them and it's cheaper for us to disable them than to give them a needing repair blackhawk whatever you know like that would make sense and i guess um no one's talking about that being the case so if that if that was the case that you know i, I could understand that but i don't know it's just it's just so it's like a bowl of spaghetti. There's not really a heavy, like a straight, solid answer what was left behind and why it was left behind. And the fact of the matter is, we've we're, it's done and over with. Just we, I want to know what I want to know what and why. Like you can't do anything about it at this point. Yeah, we're just. I th- I think there's a lot of information that as civilians we're not privy to, but it's yeah. still just an awful situation. I mean, just losing anybody, you know. But we lost thirteen. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think that was the most deaths we've had since 2010 or 2011, maybe. So very tragic event just to lose them right, right before we're exiting Afghanistan yeah. like that. Um, so I guess moving down a little bit. Yeah. We got one we, video, right. That really captured the interest of, yeah. Uh, so every Americans, so this is going to possibly be a little bit of viewer discretion advised i think it's 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 not it's not gory but it could be a little bit alarming um so uh this is a supposedly a u.s left blackhawk that that they're now yeah flying over the city viewer discretion is and if you can't tell that is a human body so 
So the Taliban is using the helicopter for public hangings now? I yeah. Mean, so, I, I mean, this... That was a U.S. helicopter? So, yeah, I mean, that has to be one of the most, like, inhumane things that that has happened, at least that I can remember. I mean, that's disgusting. It really, really is disgusting. I mean, that's on a whole nother level. I mean, you're... I, I hope... I hope that person wasn't alive before the helicopter took off and didn't, like, get sloshed. Or, I mean, that... I, I don't even want to imagine, you know, the, the fear and whatever was going through that person's, uh, that person's uh, you know, mind just before that happened. Didn't the military leaders say that, you know, it would take, they would never be able to fly these vehicles without the training, the proper training, and in four days they're doing public hangings yeah. over, over Kabul. Yeah, and I don't, John, I you seem to generally have, have a pretty good idea about, like, the you know, the other side of things. To me, it seems like it would be difficult to operate. You say, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, is is that verified a, P, a U.S. helicopter? Uh, I, it should, be, yeah. There's I, been multiple sources that say that. So supposedly, I mean, it might not have been a disabled helicopter from. They said it was a U.S. Now. Black Hawk. Yeah, there. Ha, I, you know, I did some looking online, and some uh, there are some other Black Hawks that are there that did not come from this current event. Which one is it? I mean, it, it, it could have been the equipment that the U.S. provided through foreign military sales to the Afghans that helped. Yeah, you but know that were partnered with the. I US. think the Afghan military turned everything over. Right, like and they so, just gave in to the Taliban. So, so the foreign military sales equipment, you know, it's not the same level as the as the U.S. equipment, but um, that does kind of makes make more sense, you know, because yeah. the Afghans were already using these, and I mean they're. They're powerful pieces of equipment, you know, but it's not the same level, same software, same technology as U.S. equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and if that was supposedly a disabled helicopter that was left there and then within four days somehow miraculously is flying, the, the method that they were disabled wasn't very strong or wasn't very good. Yeah, so, I just find that. I mean, I personally find it hard to believe. You know, I, I mean, but, there's been reports of, you know, you had two Blackhawks that were left in working order. It could have been one of those two. Yeah. But this just shows the terrible people that, that we're dealing are. with. Yeah. Th- this really. Yeah. Good point. This just whether or not they were previously disabled, repaired, or you know, from foreign military sales to begin with. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. It doesn't matter. They're. The, the people in uh, in charge now are flying and hanging dead bodies. Well, all, all this stuff, yeah. I mean, that, that is a disturbing image, but anything we're presented through American media, you know, is propaganda. There's a lot of... That is true. There's a lot of emotional responses that's trying to be elicited from us through American news sources. I mean, that's been going on for 50 years, you know. Yeah, that's true. And, and it, I will... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, and just I mean anything, anything that you see uh, has been heavily filtered. And if if they don't want you to see something on the internet, you know, especially in modern days, you see how like everything's censored and pushed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say, creating this agenda for the first topic, it was very, very difficult to do. And we saw firsthand they were like we saw numbers that Donald Trump Jr. had posted of all the things that were left. Yeah. And these posts were taken down. We couldn't even yeah. find them to show. They so were right. There's a lot of 
you know, mix it's, of information out there. Yeah. So we it, don't claim any of it to be accurate. accurate. Well, yeah. and that's what, yeah, we're just here, we're just here kind of discussing the generalities and what's going through just the common person's mind, you know. Right. Yeah, to me, to me, it's not about which number is an accurate number right now. To me, like the discussion is about this shouldn't have happened, but when you go to put the to put the agenda together, it's like you're getting information from here and here and here. All these pieces of information are different. Which there is something in my like I want to know the right piece of information. You can't. It, it there's so much going on. You do not know well, what is right. I, I didn't know that thing about Trump Jr., but it's it's that's very disturbing. You know. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing. It's like what we see, what finally gets filtered out to us. You know. Big tech is has been censoring. You are being to, controlled. Yeah, and so um, come to the free speech you know, forum.com. Well, for years and years, the government had it made because they could control people through TV programming mm-hmm. because there wasn't an internet and everybody, you know, watched the news at night and yeah. they got their scheduled programming. But now nobody watches TV anymore, you know, so they're having to evolve their strategy to. St- to push people into these tunnels on the internet, which is so obvious. I mean, it's so obvious that Facebook is working with the government, you know, oh, yeah. Twitter's working with the government to to make sure that people don't think the wrong way because that would just be a, a silly. But, I mean, let's get back on Afghanistan. You know, I just like to bring up so, the point of why free speech is so important. That's a good point. What is y'all's opinion on the exit strategy, you know, of getting out of Afghanistan? Was it performed correctly or could what could have been done better what do you think john i mean i, I just couldn't imagine I, I guarantee that there was serious serious time and thought put into this by the military and i think that it's it's foolish to blame joe biden for this you know this wasn't just a wake up on august 14th and decide let's get the military out but um i mean just just how it ended is not a good look for the United States. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think we don't have all the information to pass judgment. You know, maybe if they didn't do it that way, we could have lost 230 people. You know, it's just, you don't know. And I do, I do, you know, as much as I, I seem anti-authoritarian, like there's, there's plenty of great people in our military, you know, even in our government organizations, there's people who, respect freedom and want to be a part of freedom. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I just think it's just hard to judge. This think, is my opinion. What's your thoughts, Jerry? I think I think asking was it right or wrong is, as John's saying, I think that's an extremely, extremely difficult uh, question to give an answer to. There's so much information we don't have. I think um, we don't know what would have happened if uh, Donald Trump was reelected. We never will know what happened if Donald Trump was reelected, um, and I, I find it hard to believe that this was the best outcome. However, I don't know if it was the worst. So, can I make a point on that real quick? Yeah. Uh, and actually, Jason brought this up on this morning's daily update, and I was like, "Man, I hadn't even thought about that." So, if Donald Trump was president and this same thing happened. You know, this same situation. Be impeached. Pe- people would be rioting in the streets. Yeah. And they would be yep. encouraged to burn their cities down. And, you know, the media would just be all out onslaught. And, yeah. And like, I never considered that. I, I, I didn't either. And I was like, holy shit, he's right, you know? And 
Um, that's probably been a discussion on our forum that people kind of came to that conclusion. And that's what bothers me. Yeah. You know, I'm not like anti-Biden. I'm just anti, uh, anti controlling the, the population. Yeah. I saw a quote about this. Uh, you know, the media has been warning you all along all last year about Donald Trump, but really maybe the person should have been worried about was Joe Biden. I mean, and it's the entrenched bureaucrats, <laughs> but that's just my opinion. You know, the well, figureheads. Well, I really just much. feel like this could have been carried out in a more phased exit where, and well-planned where you, you know, you get the refugees out and you get the Americans out just in, in better order and, you know, more steps and just yeah. planned out better than just we're well, drop dead leaving August 31st and we left hundreds of Americans so, behind yeah, and we left a lot of gear to really awful people that are going to hurt people that are yeah. going door to door and marking doors for people that are going to be their wives or that they're going to rape. I mean, there's a lot of different reports Sounds out like there. A, a that's, that's awful. So well, you, well, one, one final thing to bring it back is like, you can say that this was not a perfect exit. If it was a perfect exit, we wouldn't have lost anybody, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and we would have gotten everybody out that wanted to get out. So it was not a perfect exit. Yeah. But we, I mean, we definitely have to thank the soldiers for their sacrifice. Absolutely. And getting yes. us out, all the people they did. So let's not let that go. And, and if there's yeah. any military members or veterans that are struggling with this, we have a strong contingency of veterans on our forum that are trying to help each other out, you know, provide a network for each other to talk to. And, uh, you know, they're having a hard time with this. And so the best thing we can do is just be there to support them, give them their space to talk and, you know, help help do anything they ask of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I, I saw um, that there's a lot of people that are upset by this, both Democrats and Republicans. So when I get on Twitter the other night, you know, what's trending is impeach 46. So, you know, there's definitely people that are upset by this. Yeah, now, um, I guess uh, to gonna go Nikki, on this. Nikki Haley had a quote regarding this, right? Yeah, so. Uh, so she said, should Biden step down or, or be removed for his handling of Af- Afghanistan? Yes, but that would leave us with Kamala That's Harris. That's exactly what I was thinking. Which would be like, ten times worse. God help us. <laughs> That's exactly. I was like, "Well, we could, but you know, do we? That's want, really sad. Do we want Biden or do we want Kamala? Which one do we? Which one would we rather? Neither of them matter. Yeah. they're now, just figureheads. So you you're you're talking about impeach Biden, and you brought up Biden, John. Um, so uh, this next graphic is going to be um, so this is people asking about Biden or people answering about Biden's performance, and now there are more people that disapprove of Biden's performance as president. Than people that approve of it. Now, wow. well, so what? Those numbers went from on eight fourteen from fifty one percent that approved and forty five percent that disapproved. So yeah. Now it's uh, on eight twenty nine. It was forty eight percent approve and forty nine percent disapprove. Yeah, and and we can. This uh, is Republicans and Democrats. This yeah. So this is just uh, this is oh I mean it's kind of alarming. It, it to if if Joe Biden was running for president right now then he would, I guess, not be elected probably. <laughs> but one one thought that I had on this is how much um, in the moment emo- – oh, sorry, we got this on the screen still. <laughs> what, <laughs> well, I wanted to ask a question about oh, that. I'll put it back up in a minute. But so what kind of in the moment emotions, if you will, play into um, people's – like play into, play into these uh, these 
types of statistics do you think? Because, I mean... We definitely live in a what-have-you-done-for-me An emotional world. world, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, are people going to forget about this in a month? Because people still haven't forgotten about the Donald Trump incident on January 6th. So, is this going to be something people forget about in a month? Or are people going to just forever, you know, hold this above his head? I don't know. I, I think that it's just fake numbers there anyways. <laughs> so what was bugging the shit out of me? Is that a data as a data analyst like you're a data analyst and I used to look at data? What in the hell is going on with that d- discontinuity between five twenty? Yeah, what happened between May two. and June? Like, yeah, I, that's funky. Yeah, I, I have no idea. That's like some of those uh, voting counts from Biden from the election. <laughs> like, oh, uh, oh, the the next ten thousand votes and none of them went to Trump. They all went to Biden. Yeah. No, there was so, uh, there was no tampering in the election. So we are running a little bit uh, short uh, on the rest of the segment, but I'm going to go ahead and read some quotes. Um, if either of you guys have something particular to say about these quotes, then feel we'll free. We'll keep our mouth shut. So Otherwise, we can keep your on. mouth shut. But, yeah, so these are some quotes from a USA Today article, and I just – I read the whole, I read the article and they kind of stood out to me. So I had one more thing on the numbers I saw oh, okay. today. Yeah. So there's a uh, it's it's a report Ramusen reports, but it says 32 percent say Biden should re- resign now, 40 percent say Biden deserves to be impeached, and 33 percent say Harris is not qualified to be president. All these figures are exclusively from Democrats. That's insane. That so, throw was for special effects. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, that's throw them out the door. That's, that's alarming. So, uh, so these quotes, I said they came from the USA Today article, uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and read them. And if, and if you guys have something okay. particular, then let's hear it. Yeah, so uh, certainly our objective was not to leave them with any equipment, but that is not always an option when you are looking to retrograde and move out of a war zone. Um, you actually mentioned this yourself, John. You know, we already, we can't take everything back with us. And, I wouldn't expect for us to be able to take everything back with us. Um, just seems a little crazy that we have to leave back equipment that is so, you know, supposedly I would think easy to get out. Well, you, we have a national deficit. You know, you think that we could sell some of this equipment and re- recoup some <laughs> yeah. of the funds, but Apparently I not. don't think the people making the military decisions are the same people writing the checks. So a money printer go brrrr. <laughs> So the next one, um, McKenzie stressed that the equipment would be of no use in combat. I mean, that's... McKenzie, <laughs> she sounds hot. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> to me, I feel like this is, I mean, this is just ridiculous. I, I mean, whether or well, not... Well, she's a guy, so... <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> well, he sounds hot. <laughs> whether or not they can get the... <laughs> whether or not they can get the large vehicles flying again, you're telling me that all the all the small arms and all the whatever can't be... Can't be just picked up, put a magazine in it, and just you know start firing at innocent civilians. That, that's ridiculous to me. Of course they're going to be of use in combat. Um, the helicopter is the most expensive item, but the ability of the Taliban to operate and maintain them without outside help is modest. I feel like I would agree with that statement. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, you know, being around Fort Rucker where I've grown up, that's where they do all the helicopter training for the army. And, you know, it takes teams of people to yeah. be able to maintain these these um, vehicles, these, I think these helicopters, in every day, each and every day. They've got multiple shifts and people that have been trained yeah. for, for years to be able to maintain these Army helicopters. So I think operational 
operating these vehicles would probably be a little bit easier, but being able to maintain them long-term, which I'm sure they're extremely delicate pieces of equipment, I'm, I feel like maintaining them would be would be the would be the downfall of them. I so. mean, the only other side of that is that these people are very smart. They're not idiots. Yeah. I mean, so I guess that's really going to be something to We, we can't see. discount their ability to, you know, re-engineer things and get things running. So Yeah. Or even sell. A lot of these things, they're going to be sold to other countries to give yeah. them more money. Give them more money to fuel what they can operate and what they can maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the next quote says, even small arms will gradually become unusable if not properly maintained. These people have been operating small arms for how long now? They can maintain. I mean, they they're better ma- at maintaining small <laughs> arms than any of us. Yeah, they right? can maintain they do, small arms. They're carrying around assault weapons everywhere they go. In in the, in the I don't desert. Know anything about small arms? <laughs> they're carrying the stuff around the you got desert. Got the big guns, John. <laughs> Call that CrossFit in your garage. So. so, I mean, this is another one of those BS quotes that I just. I mean, should never even be said. They've already been doing it. I mean, why Why would you ever say these words? Um, now, pretty much, we just handed them a massive truckload, you know, a whole country load worth of firearms. Um, so, uh, the last quote is, MRAPs are real gas guzzlers, so their value in a country where fuel supplies are scarce and terrorist attacks have largely ceased is doubtful. Um uh, yeah, to me, again, like those vehicles, those Does, are going to Doesn't be- oil come from the Middle East? Let Let me just say that USA I mean, Today- they're one of the largest producers. USA Today is fake news, so let's talk about 3D printing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, one thing I want to say on this, uh, I feel like leaving these behind is, I mean, again, it seems silly because we could be using these elsewhere, and they can then take these vehicles and transport them, and they can start to invade uh other other countries with, with them and that's not something that they can also do you know find weaknesses in these vehicles for ieds and things of such that could hurt us if we have to go back to war with them again yeah so well i just hope that they don't get in the wrong hands you know, I, any I further agree, yeah. and hurt people so yeah well so we have a quote of the day yeah so this is from jfk it is efforts and courage are not enough without purpose and direction mm. I know mm-hmm. Bob would love that quote. Uh, again, yeah, and that Where, makes me think about the free speech forum. You know, it's like everybody knows there's a huge problem in this country, but uh, we've actually got people organized and moving in a direction to try and try and help things right out. The ship. You know, yep. do what we can do. We're just a couple rednecks here in Huntsville, Alabama. You know, <laughs> I know John. Yeah, I know country talk. We sound like we sound like rednecks. Oh, this sounds like a 3D printing song. This is a 3D printing song. Going into a good segment here. So, it's the summer of our lives. You know, last week of summer. So, I'm just going to get this out of the way. It's a question that comes up a lot about 3D printing. What is that question? Can you 3D print sex toys? Um, yeah, I've actually got one going right now, and I'm hoping I can get to use it and try it tonight. So, Oh, man, <laughs> no, cool. Try- Anyways, we'll give you Joe's that recipe. Joe's over here looking at me like he wants to join in or something. <laughs> we'll get you that <laughs> recipe in the comment section after the show. Oh, goodness. So this segment uh, on 3D printing, uh, it's pro- we're, we're going to try and go over a little bit of uh, the basics. Um, so the first thing. We're going to uh, talk an overview and then cover an some overview, applications, right? Then cover some applications. So uh, we're gonna have some some pictures come on screen. Is this your setup? 
Yeah, so this is my setup. Um, You're running a professional operation there? This is a professional operation. (laughs) How many printers you got? Is that four? Hey, Nastia just commented on YouTube. Yeah, I came back at (laughs) right right in time. (laughs) Welcome back, Nastia. Do you remember? She timed it perfectly. We should have never told her 25 minutes. Do you remember... do Three you months ago, when we whenever, dance? whenever um, I went out on a date with her, and then she came in right as you were asking questions, or who was it? <laughs> and then she comes in right on time again. <laughs> okay. She's got great timing. Exactly. Okay, Thank so... Thank you for being here, Nostra. <laughs> so the first thing uh, that I kind of want to talk about is just, like, build the printer. Most printers are going to come in a box, and you have to build it. Um but once you get that and you have a 3D, like, and you're ready to actually start printing something, there's there's something that's going to uh, called a slice, like, slicer software. Um, so basically what that is is we're going to take a 3D model. I'm going to take a phone for once, or for this example, and it slices it into a whole bunch of 2D pieces, right? So it's just like building up. Yeah, the, so the object you're trying to build yeah, that 2D, you want to make. They have a little bit of thickness. They're to a little them, bit know, of th- a few so, millimeters. Yeah, so the way a printer operates is it prints one layer. And then it prints another layer on top of that. And then it prints another layer on top of that. And it does this over and over, like, iteratively until, you know, slowly you have a full-scale um, item that you're wanting to print. Uh, so, the, so that must take some pretty good time to, to be able to make an object then. Yeah. Now, depending – I mean, there's so much that can go into this. But a, the slicer software is what's going to allow you to change the timing of how to print stuff. Um, the slicing software tells – the printer, how to move and which motors to actuate and stuff. And that is what's going to ultimately depend on how long it takes. So in the software, you can make your printer nozzle move very slowly. Um, (laughs) You can make it move very slowly. You can make it move very quickly. The faster you move your printer, the less precise your uh, final component that you print is going to be, the, the uglier it's going to look, generally speaking. I got a couple questions. Yeah. So do you use – what slicer software do you recommend, and do you also draw up the objects in this slicer software, or do you use something else? Yeah, okay. So I use Cura. Cura is an open-source software. Okay. Um, so to me, Cura – I mean, it is it is like what most in-home printer or 3D print enthusiasts use. I mean, it's got – hundreds and hundreds of settings and all of those settings can can be turned on and off and some of them depend on others but basically where this is going is with with hundreds and hundreds of settings and options you can choose you can uh pretty much you can have millions and billions upon billions of ways to actually print and like get the settings right so there's general settings that they say don't turn this on unless you're doing this don't turn this on unless you're doing this always turn this on and there's a general uh there's a general speed that people tell you to print at. Mm-hmm. so pixel joe asked have you ever printed a matter baby i have no idea what that means i'm not really sure what a matter, <laughs> what's the matter baby i'm not sure what <laughs> i'm not sure what a matter baby is i don't think i want like to <laughs> but jerry could print anything yeah uh, I can print anything, and I mean, if you want me to print you any toys, uh, Joe, just let me know. Um, I usually have an upcharge for what I uh, for the toys that I print. <laughs> Nothing, baby. What's the matter with you? Oh <laughs> man, he got us good. All right, the keep jokester. talking, Jerry. 
Yeah, so... Wait a second, Jerry. <laughs> oh, you Jerry gets me. mad when he gets interrupted, so go yeah, ahead, Jerry. Um, so the slicer software, basically, is, it's, it's telling the printer how to print the object. You start, and it, and it produces something called G-code. G-code goes in, and it's... that uh, G-code, it's like... It's some kind of machine-readable programming language, essentially, which... Um, there's tons of motors on the printer. So like if you, let's say for instance, you send the printer like G13. I don't actually know what that code does, but for instance, you send a printer G13 that says the motor at this position needs to start spinning uh, so fast. Maybe G14 makes it spin faster. And again, I don't know what these G codes mean because I can't read it. So it's not down like at the binary level or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, once it gets loaded onto the printer, I do not know like okay. how it how it gets there or how uh, what what it goes down to. But essentially, the slicer software tells the printer literally everything it needs to know. Um, and so you you do this all in Cura. I do everything in Cura. Okay. Yeah. Because I've seen people use like Blender, you know, different things yeah. to draw the objects up and then so, they convert it to something else, right? Yeah. So what I was gonna say about that is Cura doesn't actually allow you at least not to my knowledge allow you to create objects so when you go to create objects if you have the ambition or the drive to start from nothing to produce something uh you have to use some kind of 3d modeling software uh, i use freecad for that okay freecad uh you're gonna sounds free it sounds free it's also open source i like i like free things so um what's one, the coolest thing you ever printed that was a YouTube question. Oh, gosh. I don't even know. The coolest thing I ever printed? You printed a Pokemon before? I, a Pokemon? The, the coolest thing I ever printed was probably a Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur, yeah. <laughs> that was the one that actually worked. The coolest thing I printed was a so, Bulbasaur. It, it, it goes roar. So, so how in the hell do these things work? I mean, like, you got software... You know, you got G-code, but how do they Sounds work? Sounds like someone's getting a little sleepy over there. <laughs> no, I'm just... Uh, yeah, so... Um, Printers, uh, they operate on belts, so or with belts and 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 uh, gears uh, attached to the belts. So uh, these gears attach to motors. The motor spins and the belt pulls things and pushes. Or yeah, it does a bunch of pulling and pushing. And so the print head, the nozzle where the molten plastic comes out of, has Ooh, a molten molten plastic. Mm. You don't want to be touched by it. So there's three axes, right? And yeah. so each motor controls an axis. Yeah. So uh, each motor. In in a in a standard uh, a standard printer, each motor controls one axis. So it's gonna be three motors controlling the up down, the left right, and then the front back. And I don't know if how that came out on camera, but left right front back up and down, all that's controlled by three motors. So one motor will spin up, and then your printer goes up, or it can go down, and then so that's how uh, the print head is gonna move. And it's basically you're you're taking a pencil. And when you draw on a piece of paper or like a connect the dots, that's exactly what a 3D printer is. It's a very, very, very advanced multi-dimensional connect game of connect the dots. Except, well, I'll be damned. Yeah. So when you were three years old and your mom bought you that connect the dots book mm -hmm. uh, and you were like, mom, can I play with it? I was yeah. 16 actually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> whatever it was, and you went from one to three, and you screwed the whole picture up. Oh man, I hated that. Yeah, I know you did. But the printer, the printer solves that problem for you, so you never have to mess up and go from one to three anymore. It always goes in the right direction. Like, how hot does that stuff get? 
So that really is going to be dependent on what you're printing. If Can you, you explain that process too? Like, so does it pull plastic from a reel or something? Yeah, exactly. So if um, there's going to be a reel of plastic, so it's all spooled up, and uh, there, the plastic gets pushed through small gears, and these sm- this is going to be a little bit complex to explain, but the small gears are going to, they're going to clamp this plastic really tightly, and there's going to be another motor on these gears, and when the motor starts to spin, it pulls the it it pulls this plastic filament through the gear, and then it just keeps going along a track. So I mean, if you the track can be uh, it's called it's called a Bowden tube, and it's just a hollow piece of it's another piece of plastic, and <laughs> it's I was just gonna say something smartass, <laughs> but I'll be quiet. I'm not gonna say it, um, but basically, you take a piece of plastic filament and it goes through the Bowden tube and it that guides it directly into the nozzle okay. um, so then it heats it up then it, at the nozzle and it heats the plastic up it turns it into molten just melted plastic and then you have a, a very advanced game of connect the dots it does All right. one layer and then it goes up and it does another layer and then i'm gonna play you a video right now to kind of give you an idea of how a 3d printer works except very quickly is this from yes. the free speech forum uh 3d printing this is actually YouTube. not. This okay. is this is not my my printer. Well, anyways, go check that out, right? Go so. check that out. Yes, it is the Print House. Okay. You can probably find it on the. It's free very popular. Forum. You got thirty five hundred views on some videos, <laughs> so people so, love it. Yeah, so this video it kind of gives you a little bit of overview on the very quick how it's done. The guy just fell in the mountain. Yeah, I know. Look at that. Looks like Harry is. Potter. Uh, John, your kids would love that. Oh, yeah. We we just watched the Harry Potter this weekend. Yeah. So, uh, well, it just makes me think. It's like, man, we do this now. It's like, hell, in like 50 years, they'll be like building buildings that way. Yeah. <laughs> like and a it's, giant printer. They do that. They and do I think that, we're going to yeah. get to that on the, when we talk applications. So Yeah, and I know I'm probably not the best at explaining that, and I probably – I probably did a, a very, 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 very poor job of explaining it, but how it physically works, like the, the down to the mechanical components, probably a little bit irrelevant. A good way to explain it after looking at the video, it does one layer of connected dots, and when that layer's done, on top of it, it does another layer, and on top of that, it does another layer, and it keeps stacking these layers until you have a final product. Do you have so, any, like, techniques to suggest anyone? Isn't there, like, a way that you can do it lighter where you don't fill all the layers so that you can yeah, <clears throat> do it faster? It, yeah, and so not so if you if we were to replay that video, uh, if you looked at it, it wasn't solid. Okay. So you're not printing a full solid layer of plastic every single time. It that prints would, like a beehive, yeah, right? Yeah, That so if it was solid, that would be – Really, really, really long print times. It would okay. take days, many, many, many days. Um, but as you said, the beehive, that's actually a setting that can be controlled. Okay. What you want the quote-unquote infill to be. Infill is how much do you want the inside of it to be filled in. <laughs> so uh, standardly, people operate at somewhere between 20, so 20 to 25% infill. Um, so 
a lot of parts are they're not going to be very hefty, but it's going to be basically an outer shell with an inside that is rigid and and strong. Uh, but yeah, it's just a beehive, like, like cross hatch, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, and that gives the inside rigidity so it doesn't collapse on itself. And the outside is generally anywhere from two to four walls thick, and the walls are what's really producing the fine detail that you're seeing. Okay. Uh, and then so you go from the walls. After the walls is just totally infill. And if you have a fully printed part, you will never see the infill unless you cut it in half. So if you don't, if it's just going to, if you're printing something to sit on a shelf and you're never going to see it, you print it with as much infill as possible because it's, you know, it saves material, it saves time. But if you're printing a car part, which please don't do, if you're printing a car part, you would want it as strong as possible. So you would print it a hundred percent solid plastic. Well, you could you could probably do some car parts that are in like the main cabin, just not like a motor yeah. component. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, people and so uh, or like a door do that. that would you need for safety. You probably don't want it to be in plastic. So yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, let's say, and pe- this is a really really common thing. You buy a two thousand and five Chevrolet something, which has the worst build quality ever. And all of your nozzles, your AC nozzle, your radio nozzle, or your turn turn dial, all those turn dials, they break off. People go and they reprint those with 3D printers, and they stick it on there. And if you print it in black and your radio's black, it looks like, I mean, no, no yeah, one would ever know. Yeah, if you the factory to do it, it'd be $1,000. And that's what I was <laughs> going to say. You ask the factory to do it, and they're going to say, here, take this this piece of, um, this piece of like, so, plastic, and we're going to charge you $50 for it, and it took... 20 seconds to produce. I would imagine this all has to be calibrated in some way. So what is that process like? Yeah. So, uh, as with anything mechanical printers are extremely finicky. Um, and every motor has to be calibrated. You can get by without calibrating, but if you need to do anything precise with, with high accuracy and precision, everything needs to be calibrated. Um, so essentially people have, people have come up with a bunch of really easy ways to calibrate. So, They've, they've come up with cubes which were modeled to be an exact perfect size. And you can download these models from the internet and you can print them. And I, it'd be very difficult to explain right now. But basically, you print it, you measure the size of your cube in every dimension, and then you plug your dimensions into some online calculator. And, it's, and it tells you what modifications you need to do to some pieces of software in order to... Uh, in order to calibrate the motors, in order to calibrate um, the how the levelness of the bed, how far away the nozzle is from the bed, just a whole bunch of stuff like that. But so there's some error in every print that you do. Oh yeah, there is going to be error, and uh, I mean, 3D printers, at least the in-home printers, are generally not going to be great for commercial applications of things that you're selling thousands upon thousands of units of it's slow and there's going to be some inaccuracies all right so that's enough bowden tubes and plastic <laughs> filaments and molten hot plastic <laughs> let's talk about some things that you printed well so as uh we previously mentioned the first thing that i'm printing uh or the, not the first thing i'm printing the thing that i'm printing right now i'll hopefully be able to get to use a little later tonight whenever you come over john um <laughs> but is this I'm not okay. quite. I'm not, I'm not sure. With the if sex it, joke you made <laughs> earlier, I got worried. Well, oh I, yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what he's talking about. I, I just, I'm a little concerned. It's too big. 
Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but seriously, right. like oh, I'm, I'll calibrate. Let's keep it PG. We we made the jokes a couple times, but seriously, guys, please do. If you have a 3D printer, please, please, please do not print um, sex toys. It is extremely unhealthy and unsafe, unsanitary. Like, no, I'm being I'm being very serious because if you look online, people want to do this. And it, it really is unsanitary. There's probably some chemicals. What about like single-use applications? Anyways, <laughs> let's get into the stuff you So printed. what kind of stuff can you print, though? Like, yeah, so I have... Let's give them a rundown. So um, so I've printed tools and hardware. Uh, the, a tool I printed is a sanding block. I mean, when you go to the store and you buy a sanding block, they charge you $10 for a piece of rubber. And it's like, what's the point? So you can print any, san- any size sanding block, any shape sanding block. Worked perfectly fine. Um... I've printed cabinet locks. My cat, she likes to go and paw at the cabinets and pull them open. So my cabinets, I don't want to go. I mean, I've got across the entire house, I've got, uh, what is it, like 15 cabinet doors or 20 cabinet doors that my cat opens. And I went on Amazon and looked, and cabinet locks are extremely expensive. If you have a child, I'm sure you know this. (laughs) Cabinet locks are very expensive. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So what I did was I didn't need anything super advanced. So I went and I'd spent about 20 or 30 minutes modeling up a custom lock that I can put on my cabinet and I just clip it to the, um, I clip it to the outside of my, my cabinet door handles. And then there you go. Side note. You're ready for a baby. Yeah. Side note, John. Um, Nasty, are you listening? Uh, <laughs> what, what notification I just get on my phone? Go ahead and read that. A cat genie sanitation. <laughs> no, 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 no. Read, read the whole thing. Your buyer has paid ten ninety nine. That was enough. <laughs> I oh, have a three D printing business and I sell oh, yeah. stuff. So and someone, money. yeah, and I, you guys can't see this, but I literally just now got a notification from it from eBay that I had. Oh, a buyer, make money! You want to make buy money? Or purchase something. Buy a three D printer. So. What, yeah. what non-boring things have you printed? Yeah, so non-boring things. I've printed something called an FGC-9. That is a fully functional 9-millimeter um, carbine. Well, that's not boring at all. That is not boring. It goes boom, is loud. Is, is that a ghost cool. gun? Yeah. What the government would call? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the government thinks about it. I think they don't like it. But other than that, I'm not sure. Um, I've printed... Uh, I've printed uh, mounts for my BMW. So I have a, a BMW Z4, and it's an older vehicle. It's a 2005 vehicle. It doesn't have a dashboard, or not, it doesn't have a backup camera. So I purchased a backup camera that's integrated into the rear view camera, but like, it doesn't mount into my car. So I printed adapters for the car, for the camera, or for the, the rear view camera, and now I can remove the old rear view mirror put my rear view mirror in the new one and it looks brand new as if it came from factory. That's like cool. That. Could you, could you print a drone? Yeah. You could, actually people print drone blades. They print drone bodies and they, and you can buy, you lose parts very easily. Yeah. So that's, the, the, that would be very useful. What's cool with that is, um, if you crash your drone, which, or in, you know, I guess I should, if you crash your drone into some electrical wires, which you almost did today. Yes, I am a officially licensed commercial <laughs> remote pilot in command. Officially so, licensed as of yesterday. If, so if you want to pay me $500 to come take drone pictures, well, let's talk. Yeah. So there's bigger things being printed too, right? Because like, I saw an article about down in Mexico that they're actually 3D printing houses now. Well, yep. And that's kind of the age of the future. You can... It'll, 
will cut costs majorly that oh, you yeah. can just so, print an entire house. An interesting side note, too, is that Pixel Joe, who helps us out, and, and uh, he's on the podcast sometime, his mother is like the head of the additive manufacturing department at a, one of the local schools. And, um, you know, additive manufacturing, they use 3D printers to integrate all kinds of all kinds of different features. Yeah. yeah. And also, Pixel Joe asks, can you 3D print glow-in-the-dark uh Yes, and you can print glow in the dark cup holders. I've never done it, so I don't know how I don't know how cool they would be. But Joe thinks they'd be cool. Well, well, Jerry, aren't they talking about printing in you know in outer space? Yeah. So as a matter why of why wouldn't you? As a, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, and I could be wrong on my dates, but I think it maybe it was like three or four months ago the first three D printed house got sold. I think that was in Texas, but that goes okay. to. That goes to show you that they're working on 3D printing structures. And so the material's different than plastic for that, right? They they can actually yeah. like melt down and print still. Yeah. But it's the well, same premise of you can, what you're doing at your house for 3D printing. So Yeah, well, the difference is uh, you're printing concrete. Um, that, but well, I guess where I was going with that was um, concrete can be made out of a whole bunch of things. And you asked about space printing. So what people there's a there's a company called Icon something I cannot remember what they are um, but Icon whatever is working on 3D printing in outer space uh, whether it's the moon or whether it's Mars they're going to I'll print a moon uh, <laughs> they're going to send these these large 3D printers their form factor is much different because they're printing actual structures to live in but they're sending them into the outer space a robot is going to build them and then a robot is going to drive around the moon sweeping up all the moon dust and it's going to make moon dust concrete and they're going to print houses on the moon wow and they're going to What be happens on Earth. to the robots that start snorting the moon dust anyways Brooks mentioned something about steel and uh, we've had a lot of fun tonight, but it's time to start wrapping things up. Uh, I really want to thank Palmetto State Steel Company. Why would you worry about printing steel when Palmetto can basically build you anything you could imagine? Can they build circles, circles? ovals, <laughs> stars, machines, anything? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Palmetto Steel has their own steel 3D printer. But thank you so much, Palmetto Steel. You have been great to us. Yeah, and, thank you, Palmetto uh, State Steel. And also, thank you to Pixel Joe Studio. He's got a really cool place down here. Um, he's yeah, great event. He's, events he's the one teaching me about photography and drone stuff. And uh, we're actually working on getting like an arcade going, maybe. So that's yeah. going to be super cool. Tell them about the event yeah. we had last week here. Oh yeah, so we had business beer and bingo, and it was really cool. We had a, great a nice night. turnout. Uh, I bought a bunch of Jimmy John sandwiches for everybody and gave out some prizes. And, uh, you know, uh, one guy won a Nintendo Switch for coming out. And we and have this, lots of cool events planned for Pixel Joe's. It was a studio. great time. So yeah. If you're anywhere in the southeast of the United States, you need to make your way out here, out to Huntsville to go to Pixel Joe's studio. Pixel Joe is a very great guy, and he has a fantastic studio. Um. So, yeah, and I want to mention again, uh, if you guys wouldn't mind giving us a like and a subscribe, I mean, that, w that really, really helps us out. Uh, the more the more reach that we can get, uh, I mean, we just, yeah, we would greatly appreciate that. So, thank you very much for everyone that does that. Yeah, and also check out the podcast, you know, available on all major podcast platforms, 
So definitely go download the podcast and yeah, check out that shirt you yeah, got on. Also, you can find this shirt. We have our own Shopify now. The Free Speech Forum dot my Shopify, I believe, is the link. And uh, so there's a lot of great shirts out there, but this you is can, just the podcast shirt. So you can buy man underwear. That's like right. Underwear. We've for got mans. the tree underwear. So go out oh, there yeah. and support us. It's uh, comfortable. It's, it's very comfortable. It is, yeah, it's, it's built. It's built for speed, not comfort. <laughs> <laughs> Are you wearing some right Actually, now? Actually, it's very comfortable and it's very good for speed as well. Uh, well, thank you, everyone. Definitely, this. I mean, uh, this has been a great podcast. Thank you very much. So. Yeah, I've had fun. Yes, it was okay. Two great topics. So, no, I'm kidding. Yes. I'm still thinking about McKenzie. Uh, we got the exit video, too. Yeah, I don't even know how to do that. Is this it? We just put a line. Good evening, everybody. See you guys next time. Thank you very much. We'll We're see back. you guys next time. <laughs>